The views and opinions expressed by the producers, hosts, and guests of Flash Black Radio do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of Flash Black or its parent company. Listener discretion is advised. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I don't even know how to do it. How do you transition from that? I, I, like, no, hello, beautiful people. Shout the mic. <laughs> just do the intro over the giggles, man. At this point. Hello, beautiful people. This is shit you might have missed on www.flashblackradio.com. We are the usual suspects. I am Da Vinci Parks, aka Lee Bennett the Third, and of course the usual cast of characters is dialing in today. K Savage. Indeed. Am indeed. I? Mm-hmm. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Also, also to my left, I have T Rich. Slim Williams is out today, but we have two very special guests sitting in. One, my babe bro, literally by blood, uh, Mr. Cameron Bennett, aka Killer Cam. Hey, Lulu. honey. Uh, and also very, 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 very special guest, homegirl from back in the day. Um, Part of a uh, major news uh, corporation as a producer. We won't say which one, uh, but uh, yeah, she's in this news thing pretty heavy. So I want to bring her on to talk about a couple few things. One, Ms. Nicole McManus. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks Indeed. for having me. Indeed, of course, of course. Been trying to get you on for a minute anyway. Yeah, I've been wanting to do this for a while. So that's thanks what's up. A lot. That's Welcome. What's up. Thank you for Thank coming you. out. Thank you. All right. So there are a lot of things that we could discuss, but. Let's just get into this week. Not all heroes wear capes. There is a chef in New Orleans by the name of, I'm going to try not to fuck it up, Tunde Wei, mm-hmm. who owns a restaurant. It's a lunch counter called Sirach. And he charges white people twice as much as he charges black people. Because he wants to kind of like disrupt the wage disparity, specifically um, in New Orleans. Okay. So what <clears throat> black people might pay might play like pay like twelve dollars for a plate, and the white folks have to pay thirty. Um, hmm. so the white the white folks still go. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. interestingly enough, like eighty percent of the black people want to pay the amount that the white folks have to pay. So let me just say this. Soon as I catch me a flight deal to head down to New Orleans, <laughs> we are there. We are going to this lunch counter, and we are paying twelve U.S. American dollars. Happily. I ain't being funny. He let some of the white people negotiate, so take this ten. So I, <laughs> I mean, only people with money get to negotiate. Poor people don't. Poor people don't okay. negotiate now. Uh, oh, that, that, that's that's interesting. What, that really poor don't, people don't negotiate? No, 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 no. Just the, the concept of openly like, yeah, like, yeah, nah, you're going to take this 30. <laughs> that's, 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 that's interesting. I don't. And he said so this really, is a known thing? Like, yes. That, wow. Yes, it is. Why not? Not all, way, all, not all heroes wear capes. Some of them wear aprons. We see you Tunday. Wow. I mean, uh. Yeah, I'm surprised it's legal. Yeah. Can like can you do that in DC? Yeah, that's what I was really thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what I was I really mean, thinking. Like, franchise this shit because uh, it, it feels like it feels like that would be on some like on the other foot, just keeping it all the way live. Like if like 
we went to like a place and I was like, nah, nah, black people have to pay twice as much. Well, and like, like, what the, what the fuck? What the? I feel like but it's kind of like when you go to a museum, probably that it's not actually that you have to pay that; it is the suggested price. Yeah, nah, they don't sound like that. I'm trying to feel. A, I'm trying to figure out why so the black people feel like they have to then pay the higher rate. Um, well, it's done. Cause, cause we always trying to, you know, be equal. I'm surprised that there we're are any white customers. Yeah. That's what I'm surprised like, about. Like, why? Yeah. So I personally, if I felt like there was a place where they're going to charge me more based upon my my melanin uh, level, I would not want to patronize that establishment. That would just be me. This is why I don't go to Chick Fil A. Did Chick-fil-A. that? <laughs> yeah. So okay, that that's that's interesting. Do you, do do we have any interesting people this weekend? Do we? Uh, no, maybe, possibly. Uh, this week, do we have any? I feel like no. No problematic people? Not yet. I think the mayor is problematic. Which mayor? bitch been problematic. Muriel Bowser. Oh, they right. didn't stop the street until well after the, the, the snow had started to fall and accumulate and shit. Oh, they were doing that on Springfield. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's the, just Muriel Bowser. They, in Springfield, they were they were doing that. Like it was like the snow was out well, there heavy. Springfield, I would want my elected officials to not get reelected too. Shit. <laughs> I mean, they they equally problematic. I mean, but what are the odds of her not? I mean, didn't Vincent Gray drop out? He hasn't declared. Because that was. I, I feel like he's a he's he's an issue as well. I'm not. You know, Mr. Shadow campaign. I'm not. I'm not the biggest fan of. Fan of him, like the dude, like I know this is kind of like you know speculative or not speculative. There's there's nothing constructive in the comment I'm about to make, and I try to avoid these type of things. But I'm just gonna say, like when I look at him, he looks kind of radish in nature, and I feel like his <laughs> I think his behavior actually follows suit with his look. Uh, look I thought you were gonna say he looks like an inbreeding McCoy. Let's keep it moving. I'm 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 ter- perfectly fine with keeping it moving. Um, before we get and, to and, and I only say that because I gotta follow up with you know what I'm saying. Mary and Barry was a felon, you know what I'm saying, and they made that nigga Mary. Yeah, but Mary and Barry did a lot for the, the city. Bitch set him up. What I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. For there's this felon crackheadishness. He was one of the most confident mayors we've ever had. So you know what I'm saying. That being said, and he was totally about the grab. So I mean, I just feel like we can't talk about corruption and say that that you know what I'm saying discounts you as not being qualified to be mayor at this point. You know what I'm Especially saying? in DC. I wasn't saying I wasn't saying that wasn't was the case. I was just saying I just yeah. And Miriam selling our soul to condo people anyway. Yes she is. <laughs> My thing with Vincent Gray, he was in charge of DC when they made the deal about Walmart and all the Walmarts that they were gonna have. It were like six locations that they were supposed to put up. They started putting all the Walmarts up. They put up like four locations and then pulled out. So the one location that really probably could have used it was Southeast, and they never even thought about, at least in my opinion, actually putting a Walmart in that location. I think they were just kind of making this deal with the city, and oh, okay, you know, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, 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 you know, we'll put a whole bunch in, but they decided what was going to go first. So I think if it went a little bit differently, and he kind of said, "Well, your first store." Has, to be, has to be in Southeast, and then you can build anywhere else you want. Then maybe they wouldn't have been dealing with Walmart actually reneging on the deal. I mean, that's exactly what happened, and nope. they got away with it. Yeah. 
So this is, you know, that, and that's under Vincent Gray. I don't really have a response to that, mostly because I don't actually know what killed the Walmart deal. So I don't know if Walmart itself killed the deal Mm -hmm. or the developers associated with Walmart killed the deal. Because the one thing we have to remember, which is crazy, because I tell people who don't live in D.C. and they think it's just as crazy. Walmart in D.C. is associated with luxury housing. And even though they built a they knocked a lot of stuff down in southeast and they have a nice big muddy pit. Mm-hmm. To prove that they were going to try and do something, I don't think luxury housing was ever going to go there. It's not close enough to a metro station. Right. And I think and they so knew my, that. They probably well, knew that well, from the beginning. Well, I think the real issue is that the housing developer probably said luxury housing and it came at, you know, the deal was made before the bubble burst. And mm-hmm. then the not happening came after the bubble burst. And I really feel like the developer looked and was like, yeah. The only thing that's really probably viable here is, you know, some kind of low or afford low income or affordable housing. Right. And they wasn't really interested in that. And I think right. that, you know what I'm saying, the developer not being pressured to build the housing that was going to be associated speaks more to the leadership of, you know, the mayors in the city and how they are willing to sell out for luxury housing than it does about Walmart. Because Walmart, you know what I'm saying, again, I don't know the, the details of the deal, but what I do know is that, you know what I'm saying, it, it, housing development spurs everything. And there is just, you know, been a question of well, what are we going to put in this big muddy pit, you know, down here because we are starving for affordable housing in the city, but especially in this, you know, section of the city in Ward 8. Mm-hmm. And um, nobody's stepping to the plate because ultimately, Nobody thinks that that is really viable for anything other than affordable housing. And nobody is actually going to come out and say, we're not going to give poor people housing, but that's what's going to happen. Right. They're going to put them out of Edgewood as soon as they can. Why? Because they right by Rhode Island Avenue and white people, you know what I'm saying, have definitely ventured, you know, out of the metro and onto the buses. And now Mm -hmm. that uh, Rhode Island Avenue is developed enough, they are more than willing to uh, <clears throat> either walk or take the bus up to through Edgewood. Um, so they've already started getting those people out. And I think when Anacostia, you know, when when the spread from Anacostia has to go somewhere, it'll go over to where the Walmart was going to be in Southeast. But right. you want Anacostia to uh, become overflown before you can get to that. Well, they're also developing at Congress Heights. Mm. They're putting up condos and a sports entertainment complex right mm. there beside uh, St. Elizabeth. And when I say beside, like right by Saint I mean on the campus, essentially. Wow. Right. I'm, I'm a little wary about that because the bubble is coming. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Well, I was like, well, wow. what I will so say, while I'm saying out there practicing basketball, they're seeing like people on privileges at St. Elizabeth trying to. Where is Sainty's officially? Because. Where is it officially? Yeah, yeah. 1100 Alabama Avenue. Okay. But it's a huge, you know, like couple hundred acres sprawling campus. So <laughs> initially it this was. MLK too, I think. It, it was. Yeah. It had both sides on MLK. Um, the other side of MLK that has like the views of the city and that's closest to like 295, mm-hmm. Homeland Security took that over. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. they went in and they did some development over there, um, like – I guess they good at some buildings. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not allowed there because they got guards. But they did go in and they did some stuff. So that's not officially part of the St. Elizabeth's campus. Um, so when they did that, that uh, uh, essentially like cut it in half. 
And then they added the Gateway Pavilion. So that shrunk it a little bit more um, because there was a a chapel over there that has been changed to, I think it's like the uh, Gateway Rise Center or something. So that shrunk it a little bit more. Um, They tore down what were not historic buildings. So I think all of the, and I might be wrong on this, but I think all of the buildings that have like these uh, red roofs are historic and they were built like in the 1800s. And so they can be gutted and remodeled, but they can't be torn down. But there were some buildings that were not built that far back. And so they tore those down so that they can make room for this uh, sports entertainment complex. And they're going to add in uh, like luxury-ish kind of townhomes. And they kind of had those sprinkled throughout because I actually have a condo over there right off of Alabama Avenue. So it's right by the police station, the 7D police station. Mm-hmm. So they've got different uh, townhome developments, even one right behind the police station. And then like getting more into Congress Heights as opposed to um, Anacostia. But just back to the Walmart thing, it's it just seemed like I don't. I'm not sure about the details either, whether that was coupled with housing or not. But it just, I don't know. Just seems like they really didn't. They really didn't have a say as to what Walmart was going to do. It's just like, okay, yeah, we'll we'll let you guys build, and you can decide, you know, wherever you want to do this. But there's actually dollars in Southeast, even in the Randall Heights area, which kind of like is like a little bit further down Alabama Avenue. They've got nothing but. It's like a different, it doesn't even look like Southeast. It's just a different, it's like suburbia. Mm-hmm. There's nothing I mean, but reg, you know, regular types of houses. And I just, it's like maybe if you had a condition that you put in beforehand or, you know, something like that. I'm not sure about the details of the deal either, but to be allowed to pull out and we don't really know why, <laughs> you know, other than it might not be profitable is just crazy to me. You know, I, mean, I don't know. And then where they where they have built the Walmarts, they're not necessarily needed. You know, and then a lot of those residents protested it. Oh, did they? Yeah, and uh, yeah. Ward 4. And, I mean, they didn't even want the Walmart there. So you kind of forcibly put it in some areas and then don't put it in an area where there's really not much else as far as like big box stores. It's just the Safeway, the Giant. That's about it. That's it. I think... That, you know, I, 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 I cannot, I don't defend any of these deals, you know, from, from, from the Verizon deal, from the Verizon Center deal or the MCI Center. That is the only real deal for development um, in the city that actually benefited the city. And that's because the only thing that that city had to pay for was infrastructure improvements, which is standard and needed to be done anyway. Mm-hmm. So they had to bring up, you know, like the sewing, the, the sewage and the, uh, the, the electrical and everything like that. But, you know, Abe Pollen paid for that land and he paid for that building to be built himself. He had to have a finance. He had no parts in that. Right. But you know, from that from from that deal forward, everything, you know, has uh, that D.C. has done has mirrored what, you know, cities and states around the country have done, which is here. Take this tax break or take this incentive that is going to cost us, you know, revenue on the back end because we want you to come. And mm-hmm. I just feel like everybody has been so desperate to try and get somebody to come to, you know, their location that they've given, you know, this thing, given whatever they needed to, you know, felt they give these 
incentives away that really give away revenue, that give away, you know, the legacy and the power of the people to be able to actually benefit from it financially. Because the only way that uh, residents benefit from anything is if there's taxes, you know, included or if it serves, you know, uh, poor people or uh, children in some sort of way. Other than that, there's no real benefit to the community. And I feel like <clears throat> D.C. is no different in that communities across the country have just, you know, tried to sell them themselves, you know what I'm saying, at whatever cost to get corporations, developers to come in and do something there, which to me is ridiculous because cities, you know, have everything in the sense that they hold these corporations in these city and, and these uh, developers hostage in that where are people going? Cause they don't want to live in the suburbs. You know what I'm saying? And so I feel like, mm-hmm. but I don't have a choice. Right. right. At right. a certain point, no. Right. Not really leveraging, you know, what they have and saying to the corporation, what you going to do for us? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. like, what are you going to do to earn these permits? Yeah, you know, but I, I think I think to come and get permits. But that's ridiculous because, you know, at the time that D.C. signed this deal with Walmart, you know, case in point, Walmart was dying to get into, you know what I'm saying, urban America because right. rural America was, you know what I'm saying, maxed out. You know what I'm saying? So the only way that you, they were going to increase profits was to get into cities. And they had historically been set, shut out of cities by unions. And that just wasn't going to happen anymore. So like D.C., like every other city should have been saying to Walmart, what you going to do to earn these permits? Instead, all these cities were begging at Walmart's door like, hey, please come take this. And it's like, do you people not read the Wall Street Journal or listen to a little NPR when you get dressed in the morning? Like Walmart needs y'all. Y'all don't need Walmart. Yes. Can I? Can I? I, Okay. so I actually want to actually I think a lot of points have been made. I also want to use that to kind of transition that to one. Um, we've had this conversation on a number of, uh, of occasions in the regard that uh, um, corporations tend to have a lot more sway in terms of how they come to the table and how they negotiate and this whole, like, they have the attitude of what are you going to do for us? But I think that this thing is kind of like already on repeat now because uh, DC is one of 20 different locations within the United States and Canada that are trying to vie for Amazon's affections right now to see where, um, whether or not they can be the place that Amazon decides upon. And it really is like, basically, like, what are you going to do for us? How much are you going to roll out for us? But I don't think this is any different from you spe- speaking about the A-Poland thing. Um, when the learners came through and mm. gentrified the fuck out of Southwest. And, um, mm. you know, when the convention center gentrified a lot of Northwest, a lot of businesses around there, when they had a perfectly good convention center, they probably could have just like, you know, remodeled um, in phases. Um, it, it, I think it's kind of like the same thing in terms of how like businesses uh, do things or whatever. So I don't know. I'm interested to see how the Amazon thing goes. I don't think DC has a shot in hell, honestly. I just, I think. Um, oh, my God. I think they're going to plop that thing right down in the middle of this metro center. They're going to take a little bit of Northeast. They're going to take a little bit of Virginia. They're going to take a little bit of Maryland and spread nah, it all out. I, I think I think they got a good look right now. They probably have a good look at Chicago, and they probably have a good look at like um like up towards like Jersey. And the only reason why I say that is because I have been listening to NPR. Um, I'm not the biggest geography person. Um, that's one of my, my, my weaknesses. But um, uh, people I mean, have been making a statement that, like, in terms of Chicago, the rail system is very strong in Chicago. And they, like, you know, that's, like, you know, midpoint in terms of going east and west and also big. north and south. And also they have, like, um, um, a very large airport. How were you saying? Jeff Bezos don't give a fuck about Amazon employees. And that mm-hmm. HQ2 is going to go wherever it's most convenient for him. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm I torn. So. I, I, like, I the adore, traffic here alone, I don't think it's going to happen. I adore Amazon, but they are a parasite. Yeah. 
Yeah. As um, like we were talking this morning about how you know Toys R Us just went out of sale. I, I mean, want to talk about business. that. So like, yeah, Lazarus was just an ironic name for like a company to die. The guy that created it is called Lazarus, and, and this company just died. Just he like, just died. Just thinking about like Cam was like running down like all of these companies that are having to cl- shutter like hundreds of stores over what was it the past week? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yeah. two grocery stores are just take because um the whole um mm-hmm. Whole Foods and Amazon thing, two chains rather. Two chains. Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I could not do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I have a very conflicted relationship with Amazon, even though I have packages in the bushes right now from Amazon. <laughs> I mean, they 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 are literally they're literally like between like Google, Amazon, Apple, and of course some other ones, man. They are really like cornering basically all of our resources from mm-hmm. every angle, from the how we like consume entertainment. Um, and of course, you know, we know that like all that's being collected and and you know commodified in terms of like you know how you can sell that shit um well, tech cruise is Mark tied to the whole Facebook that's thing. how the internet makes money yeah yeah, yeah so they have yeah. to i just don't like mentioning like oh man i need some socks and then the next time i go on the internet it's like oh yeah, want these socks, socks. Yeah. we saw you was looking for socks mm-hmm. what type of socks you want you want wool socks you want cotton socks you want Alexa. flannel socks yeah. I think that bitch is just listening all the time. And then when she was just like re- randomly giggling, I was like, oh, I don't yes. trust Alexa. <clears throat> I was just talking about that. Is anybody that owned an Alexa, Alexa and it just started laughing, it's time to let it go. Really? It doesn't? It, it was yeah, doing that. It was doing that in some people's households. Yeah. Holy shit. I, like, I, I haven't gotten one. Uh, I've never had that happen. Like I, I've heard about it, but my Alexa never giggled. To oh, be fair. that would be spooky as shit. I know. That was like, like Alexa's not coming like, to like, my especially house. like you just have me walking around naked or some shit. Like, <laughs> like what the I'm bitch? What you laughing at? I'm not inviting Amazon or Echo to have a dedicated speaker in my home. No. It's bad enough that I know that they hijacked my electronic devices. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But like, I'm not giving them a dedicated like here, listen in. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's bizarre to me. Like those smart TVs with cameras come with warnings that they don't have confidential sensitive conversations in front of this motherfucker. What? Yeah. You yep. me? It's the TV. It's either going in my bedroom or my living room. I'm gonna like masturbate, pick my nose, you know what I'm saying, and fuck a Fuck or do drugs. I mean all of this shit is confidential. <laughs> right? And it's just like mm. I'ma pass on that. TV, am I watching it or is it watching me, man? I don't oh, know. Watching you. Mm-hmm. That's Jill Scott from like '99. Just, just saying. Yeah. Uh, Can I get a lead line TV cabinet? <laughs> all, right, all right, Superman. No, nah, go on your Facebook. I'm sure that's like one posted yeah, up. Yeah, probably one on the for side. You. <laughs> Looking for lead line cabinets. I mean, but like real talk, like in the future, how are we going to have any kind of like confidential space? We're not. We're not. Yeah, not I, think, I, think, I think they're trying to normalize that now. I think that that's what this all is. I think they're trying, like you know, I think stuff like the Patriot, the idea that. It's legally okay for people to literally like go in, no knock, and seize your shit without any type of warrant or anything. Just like, yo, the, the idea, like, we suspect that you might be doing this. The word suspect is so strong when it comes to legality, and you can use it in so many different ways. That's how, like, people get away with shooting people unarmed in their fucking backyard because we suspect it. Looking at you, police. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like, I mean, Send it's just like, out. I really think, like, the way this is going, this is, you said it last time we recorded. This is going towards some 1984 shit. It really is. I mean, and if you've ever looked at Black Mirror. Yeah. It's very, like, 
to to an extent, it's extreme, but also it's kind of is it? It's not, not really, <laughs> not really. Like technology, technology right? is like our we, greatest we achievement and our biggest leave, downfall. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Yeah, no, it's yeah. on my list. Yeah, it's on my list. It's so much shit on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, while we're talking about that, has anybody gotten a chance to watch Roxanne, Roxanne yet? About no. Roxanne Shantae? No, we're doing that today. All right. Well, <clears throat> I, I, I will, since nobody has watched it, I will not spoil. I would just say that. That's um, kind of you. Huh? I said that's kind yeah, of you. Yeah, because I know other people on the show don't feel the same way. But <laughs> Look, we gave um, people two weeks to see Black Panther. That's not what I'm talking about. Let's not go down this rabbit hole. I would just say with regard to it, um, for those who are fans of hip hop, I think it's definitely like worth watching. Um, uh, good actors in it. Um, Neil Long. Uh, looking quite good, Marshall, <laughs> Mahershala Ali. I'm sorry, I always do that. Mahershala Ali, um, also good at that dude is a beast, man. Like, like, it just because he he has a very distinct look. So when you see him, like whatever you saw him in first, like to me, like I look at him as the dude from House of Cards, and then I saw mm-hmm. him in other things. Like Luke Cage, but he was in House of Cards before Luke Cage. You might have seen him first in Luke Cage, so now he's the dude from Luke Cage. And that's what I'm saying. He just has a look when you see him. Like, that's the dude from so-and-so. He has a great laugh. He does. It's very sinister, but it's like, it's, it's, it's rich. It's like, so. oh, what you laughing at? So it's just like, and he has, he has it in Roxanne. He does, he does it in the Roxanne, Roxanne joint too. But it's just like the acting in there is really, there's some people in there that like, like some of the acting, like, yeah. but the main people in it, good acting, good story. Um, it's one of those things. Like it was, I thought it was, I thought it was, it was good, especially as a, a fan of hip hop and having listened to like a lot of, like Roxanne Shantae through like Sirius XM cause on the old school channel. They used to play like a lot of. She used to go at everybody. She was Fifty Cent before Fifty Cent. Y'all remember when they were like eighteen mm-hmm. Roxannes? I remember the real Roxanne and then the, like the Roxanne Shantae. I, I don't remember like there being more than that, but. I just didn't know until like I was good and grown, like how many people she was like going at, and it it, it put everything in perspective for me because I didn't know that this was. I thought she was just like, oh, she's just like I'm just. This is how I do to get on, but that's just like how she came up. There's a difference, so I and just, she was I, a child. huh? And she was a child. Yeah, yeah, but it goes into so much, so I don't want to get into it. But like I would say, if you're a fan of hip hop or just curious. Um, from perspective, you remember the eighties, you remember Roxanne, Roxanne by UTFO, mm, you remember like Roxanne's Revenge. Um, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Remember like the, the clap back that Roxanne, Roxanne did Roxanne. with Marley Marl. Um I, I would just say like just watch it. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I definitely think it was a good look. So um I'm um yeah, I watched it before it came on just so I could actually talk about it from an informed perspective. Yeah. So transitioning. Speaking of transitions. Katy uh, Perry is a sex offender. Um, are you talking about old girl when she kissed old? old yes, old I forgot it did have a problematic person. Sorry, Katy Perry. How old was he? Does it matter? I was well. If he was grown, I mean that that, would, that would be matter. Like a me he too didn't moment. want he, her he, to he kiss him. But I, see, we get you got ahead of there. I was just curious. I didn't know he was like under. I think he was like sixteen or seventeen. Okay. The issue is though, he didn't ask her to kiss him. Now, oh. if this was re- so, Katy Perry. Yeah, yeah like run it back, a, please. I, I know what you're talking about. Who is, for some reason, a judge on 
American Idol, which for some reason still exists, and the Year of Our Lord 2018. And a contestant came on, and he's like, you know, I've never really been kissed. And she's like, oh, my God, that's so horrible. So she called him over, and he gave her a kiss on the cheek. And she was like, oh, no, let's try that again. So he went to give her a kiss on the cheek again, and she turned and kissed him on the mouth. And he was like, oh, nah, I didn't want that. Like, I'm really conservative. I wanted my first kiss to be really special. And oh, that's wow. not the same thing. That's not what I would imagine average teenage kid to say. <laughs> right. And I guess that's like, probably like, like, why she Perry? did it. Cause she's like, ooh, you're a teenager. I'm Katy like, Perry. Like, I'm, I'm gonna I'm like being, change your life. But yeah. he's like, nah, bitch, ain't nobody asked for that. That's so me. this runs back the importance of consent. Because if this was like flipped and reversed in any kind of way, especially in this age of me too, yeah. people would have been like, Oh my God, this is so horrible. Would have been all up in arms. She's a sex offender, shouldn't have done it. But he's a boy, so nobody gives a shit. So. Extra problematic because she actually comes out of that conservative Christian culture, you know, and they get background on these people. It's not like they walk up there, you know what I'm saying, and they totally don't have any information on these people. So I just feel like she, mm, that's disgusting. Yeah, that doesn't sound. It's creepy in the same way yep. that it would be creepy if a man did it. So it's not just that there's this consent issue, but it's that she comes out of this culture. And I feel like there was like this urge to want to corrupt him that like, mm, like pay somebody to do that. That's that's weird. And we know where your mouth been. You dated John Mayer. Just don't. That's not the only one she dated though. I mean, but you know, John it's Mayer. John Mayer. <laughs> it's John Mayer. Though. It's John Mayer. John Mayer is how you is is like the Prozac for post breakup depression. That's, that's what I have decided. He'll have you in there licking his asshole and shit. John <laughs> Mayer's. Mm. John Mayer's a... We know John Mayer be on some shit. John Mayer be on some a- shit. In fact, there was a thing guy. where like she was doing some type of like like radio pub, whatever. Again, this is kind of salacious, but this is fact. You can go look it up or whatever. Where they basically like rounded up three people, including John Mayer, in terms of who she appreciated most. In, in intimate situations, and she they listed like three people, including John Mayer, and John Mayer won. Uh, of so. course, he is post breakup Prozac. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you get divorced, you know what I'm saying? You break up with your man for what you've been with for a couple years, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to do some wild shit. I mean, call John, John Mayer man. and Birdman are basically like you know. What I'm I was saying? gonna say Drake. Drake is Mr. Sloppy Seconds. Hey man, Drake's within his dumb fast on Rihanna and Serena. Dumb fast. But that's when you when you break up and you want to be like held and you want to be treated like a woman. You want to be treated like a lady. John Mayer's like, you know what? I just broke up with somebody. I want to do some nasty. Pull my hair. (laughs) (laughs) I want to do some shit I can't talk to my girlfriends about. Be like, man, John Mayer. Right. That's like, I thought I was going to have a life with this nigga, you know what I'm saying? And like, life is going to shit. So, you know what I'm saying? I'm just going to go all out and lose my mind a little bit. And then after you're done with John May, you're like, oh, let me call Drake so I can feel like a lady again. And you know, maybe he'll write me a poem and hold me and like (laughs) stroke my hair if I wasn't bald, you know? (laughs) Hmm? That's why I put Birdman and John Mayer in the same camp. Uh, Something about Birdman yeah, makes about me that. dry. It's probably just Birdman. Look, he probably gets great head, loves to do it, and we know he likes to shower a bitch with gifts. I mean, like, what more could you want? Well, the, well, let's start with the gives great head thing. 
and pause on that. So. And then pause. That only lasts for so long. Mm. <laughs> nothing to say. I didn't that. say he was your friend. I said that's the dude you called me. You'd be like, I'm bored. Yeah, you know what? Uh, so we're going to transition away from this. This is not constructive conversation. Uh, I want to. I want to talk about uh this. Uh, oh, we're, we're not. We're the not, march for we're our not lives. doing our regular show this week. What are you talking about? Like, like it's just we're being I have nice in front of company. Okay. What are you talking about? Like, well, first of all, this is not company. I know her it's longer than I know you. <laughs> like I wouldn't call her company. She's trying to turn us into respectable podcasts. Really? You drinking us right now? All right, is, is that's that, fine. <laughs> I'm drinking y'all, really? Wow. I, I've been liking to drink. Wow. <laughs> the March for Our Lives. I did that. That's something I really wanted to talk about. I also want to talk about the whole firing of HR McMaster uh, and bringing in uh, John Bolton. That's a whole other thing by Trump. But yes. I figure like the, the fight for our our lives March rally Friday. yesterday by by the youth mandem, by the little youth, um, I thought it was a, a good thing to discuss. Um, I wasn't actually there, but Nicole was. I was. So I figured you could be so kind as to give us some of your impressions and what you thought in terms of what you saw. Well, uh, I was actually in the the media or on the media riser, so I didn't get a chance to really walk around, talk to a whole bunch of people. But we had to walk down there to get to our live shot location. Mm-hmm. So you saw a whole bunch of people marching like it was just people in droves i mean it was just a lot of people you know it, it, but it wasn't it wasn't too overwhelming but it was just it was a lot it was a lot of folks but mm-hmm. it was a good vibe because everybody has signs a lot of people were with their parents mm-hmm. and um you know they just all looked pretty driven mm-hmm. and that's like before it started because we got down there maybe like an hour before the program started mm-hmm. So saw a whole bunch of crazy signs, a whole bunch of signs that, you know, just made sense going along with going against gun policy and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> this one kid had a sign that said the NRA is a hoe, you mm. know. So, I mean, it okay. was just like, you know, all kinds of stuff like that, which is was was funny to me because everybody was expressing themselves. And it was good to see a whole bunch of young people doing that mm. and all different types of young people. And it was good that their parents were with them too. Yeah. You know, I mean, and there was there was like a lot of young kids. There, I mean, the age, um, the ages really varied. It was just a lot, a lot of folks down there, and they just, I don't know. It's just it it was just kind of inspiring to see so many um, people that age in at in that age group come down. Because I don't think you really see that with any other march. You don't see that at inauguration either, where you have a whole huge gathering. It's like most, most mainly adults. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it's not like a whole bunch of kids that come down there. So all these kids down there, and then how they responded to the program, mm-hmm. everybody that performed, all the speeches. It was, it was, it was, it was good. It was, it was just, it felt like a good vibe. Okay. Like not necessarily one of those. Marches that are depressing because you know what you know we're protesting something you know or something like that. It was just a, it was kind of a feel good thing. Even though the topic is tragic, mm-hmm. it was like okay, how are we going to move on from this? And you know the kids were serious. Like every single speech had an impact. A lot of people were just kind of looking at each other like, wow, like I can't believe they just said that. Mm-hmm. You know, or wow, that was really impactful like the um 
uh, Naomi, the 11 year old mm-hmm. girl that was talking about a whole bunch of <clears throat> different other African American girls that were shot, and we don't really talk about them on the news as much as you know we're talking about this Parkland shooting. Actually, if you don't mind, I can actually play the the, the speech very quickly. It wasn't okay. that long, and we can like listen in uh, for our listeners who have not heard the Naomi Wiley speech, whatever. We're going to run it for you right now, and then we'll come back into what we're doing now. <laughs> My name is Naomi, and I'm 11 years old. <laughs> Me and my friend Carter led a walk out at our elementary school on the 14th. We walked out, we walked out for 18 minutes, adding a minute to honor Cortland Arrington, an African-American girl who was the victim of gun violence in her school in Alabama after the Parkland shooting. I am here today to represent Cortland Arrington. I am here today to represent Hadia Pendleton. I, I am here today to represent Tiana Thompson, who at just 16 was shot dead in her home here in Washington, D.C. I am here today to acknowledge and represent the African-American girls whose stories don't make the front page of every national newspaper. Whose stories don't lead on the evening news. I represent the African-American women who are victims of gun violence, who are simply statistics instead of vibrant, beautiful girls that full of potential. It is my privilege to be here today. I am indeed full of privilege. My voice has been heard. I am here to acknowledge their stories, to say they matter, to say their names, because I can, and I was asked to be. For far too long, these names, these black girls and women, have been just numbers. I'm here to say, never again for those girls, too. I am here to say that everyone should value those girls, too. People have said that I am too young to have these thoughts on my own. People have said that I am a tool of some nameless adult. It's not true. My friends and I might still be 11, and we might still be in elementary school, but we know. We know life isn't equal for everyone, and we know what is right and wrong. know that we stand in the shadow of the Capitol, and we know that we have seven short years until we, too, have the right to vote. So I am here today to honor the words of Toni Morrison. If, if, there is a, if there is a book that you want to read, but it hasn't been written yet, you must be the one to write it. to join me in telling the stories that aren't told. To honor the girls, the women of color who were murdered at disproportionate rates in this nation. Mm. I urge each of you to help me write the narrative for this world and understand so that these girls and women are never forgotten. Thank you.
Yeah, killed it. <laughs> Pretty much. Killed Se- it. Seven, she said seven years, and that's not a long time. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because it really puts things into perspective, especially when you're thinking about the possibility that this president could be around for, for a while. Hero. No. It was powerful. <laughs> yeah. But I think she made some really good points. Um, yeah. And some points that y'all the... have made on this show, actually. What? Did yeah. we? Yeah, you did. Oh, wow. Look at you that. You did. Yeah. That, that's what made it resonate even that much more for me. Because as, I guess, an unwitting participate of patri- participant of patriarchy, yeah. <laughs> um, like there's wow. some things that being on this podcast have have like basically pulled my coattails to that I wasn't necessarily aware of. So, I mean, like, you know, just... Having the conversations that we've had over the last year and a half and change or longer or whatever, I mean, hearing her say it at eleven is it's it it really affected me. I think in a different way than if I had heard it and we hadn't had this podcast going for as long as we have. So, yeah, it's a different message when it's a different person delivering the message. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was it was definitely striking for me. Um, I'm I'm glad she said what she said. Also, um. Edna Chavez, I saw her speech. I haven't gotten a chance to go through a lot of them because there are a lot of a lot of young young people who spoke at the rally. Um, but there's an Edna Chavez who was 17 years old, who was from South Central LA, who um, basically uh, conveyed the story of how her brother was cut down by gun violence, and she was saying that's nothing new for her, like where she's from, and she learned how to basically she learned how to duck from bullets before she learned how to count. So. I think she said before she learned how to read. Learn how to read. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So like, um, just just hearing her and just the passion and how, you know, this is something that clearly happened a while ago, but she's still affected by. It. And she was saying, if the gun, if the guns didn't end my life or take my life, the trauma will. So it's just like uh, it, it's one of those things like when you hear so many kids get up there and speak with their own words about how this is impacting them and affecting them. Um, the willful ignorance um, that comes out of this, you know, will be, I think, that much more stark in contrast. So, um, I mean, surviving, quote unquote, surviving a school shooting is that's has to be rough. Kind of speaking to this from like the mental health perspective, because one, you're you're there, not really knowing what's going on. You're having to do this. Um, whatever they're doing, these run, hide, lock the doors, turn off the lights, squat down, hope you don't get shot, kind of drill, but not a drill thing. And then to have to go back into that environment of Trump, to be reintroduced daily, because this is where you have to go to school. Mm -hmm. And you're being reintroduced to this trauma every day of like, oh, well, this is where, you know, my... My friend was was killed killed, or Mm -hmm. one of my relatives was killed or, you know, this was the class my teacher taught or whatever. And to have to like relive that trauma every day. And it's like, okay, yeah, I survived. But yeah, this is not I mean, survival is not light shit. And there was an article on. It might have been Jezebel. They were talking about how there was a shooting in Kentucky a week or two before the Parkland shooting. Um, and the guy did not use like an AR-15 or any like automatic rifle. It was just like a, a handgun mm-hmm. shot, I think, 14 Damn. students mm. killed two. 
Um, and they were talking about like the differences is that, you know, this place in Kentucky, while still predominantly white, like there's a huge difference in the income brackets in Kentucky mm-hmm. and Parkland. Parkland. Right. And how it, I didn't hear anything about it. I don't know about anybody else. I had not actually. But the, the problem is, before you finish, because I, I, I know you, <clears throat> problem is like, you know, Parkland was the 18th school shooting that um, had transpired this year alone. And mm-hmm. that was really the first one that we really heard about. There's one just like that happened not too far from where we live now. In yeah, St. it was Mary's. like last week. This was week. it last week? <laughs> this week that just passed. Yeah, yeah and Monday. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, they took one of the students off life support on Friday. Yeah, yeah, because she was brain dead. So right. please continue. I apologize. So I mean, it's it's great this this march, and it's great that these kids had the had the ability to wield their influence in whatever ways they had it, be it you know race class to kind of gather everyone to do this march one which people should not have to be marching for their fucking lives children nobody um sorry we're gonna pause for a moment to swap out the liquor bottles (laughs) thank you um but like so many people have pointed out like black and brown folks have been Asking somebody to pay attention to gun violence for years and years and years and years and years, and one of the um, one of the kids from Parkland is it, is it David Hogg? Yeah, David he Hogg. made the comment that it's, you know the voices of Black and Brown students had been silenced by the media. Great, thanks, David. But <laughs> I mean, I mean, no, no shade, but like, okay, we have this this white male making this statement, but it hasn't changed the reality that true, these voices have been silenced, but nobody is like, you know, trying to do anything particularly different about it. And well, the, no. and this whole idea of like, okay, well it's, it's video games or, cause this is one of the things that they were arguing in Kentucky is like, you know, is it video games? Is it poor parenting? Is it music? Is it mental health? Uh, is it? I don't know. It, what is else? it? Deflection? What is, could is, is, it yeah, be? Because yeah. it can't be guns. So what could it be? This making it's children toxic masculinity. It's not even about guns. I mean, it is, but it's not. It's about toxic masculinity. Because I mean, dude was upset about what and was blowing up shit in Texas. We don't know what happened with the Texas. You talking about the, the guy? They don't know the motive. Unless some as as something come out, they said they didn't have no. any motives with the dude in Texas. Because yeah, he, he was just mad. Well, that's what my point is. Men are just mad. The, the, the real question is, why are men so angry? Why are white men so angry? Huh? What? Mm-hmm. Huh? <laughs> the okay. real question is, why don't these kids know how to deal with loss, regret, um, you know, any, anything like that where you don't necessarily get what you want when you want it? Because you know? these are kids who were raised and they were raised at a time when people can't tolerate children crying. And children who don't, who aren't allowed to cry, never learn how to self-soothe. They never learn how to fix their problems. You know what I'm saying? And it comes from the fact that a lot of adults somewhere around 1980 something stopped forgetting that you could just ignore children crying. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and that sometimes we should ignore their crying because they need to learn how to self-soothe. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes your kids should come home to you crying from the playground and you say, oh, well, go back out there and fix it yourself. I'm not saying beat the kid up. I'm saying fix it yourself. Right. You know, wh- when do kids learn conflict re- re- resolution? You know, when do they learn the value of hard work or that hard work is important because for every important thing, you know, especially kids who are being primed for affluence or who grow up in affluence, they got parents that are writing their essays, you know, these speeches that we're hearing, you know what I'm saying? All of these have been proofread by, you know what I'm saying, college educated adults who couldn't help but put their college educated stamp on all of these products. And it's like, you know, children don't actually know what their own work product looks like. You know, because they they send everything to their parents, you know, to be refined and submitted to other adults for review. I think I think I'm also going along the lines of what Chris was saying. Um, And I've actually had this this conversation with a few people, including my wife, um, because, you know, we I guess (laughs) my wife and I, I guess, have different perspectives in terms of like, you know, things you would do in terms of child rearing. I'm I'm staunchly in the camp. Like, I don't I don't agree or like the idea of kindergarten graduations. Like, what the fuck are we celebrating? Like, you're supposed to fucking matriculate from kindergarten to the first grade. This is not an no. accomplishment. Here's the thing. We could have a kindergarten graduation at the school. I ain't got no problem with that. There's just no party at home. You know what I'm saying? We don't celebrate mediocrity. <laughs> like, yeah, but it's not just that. It's, it's, it's also like when you're on, like, you know, if, you, if you're in Pop Warner football, everybody gets a trophy. If you if you like in in part of a competition, yeah, everybody gets a medal, and it's just like at some point you have to learn that you don't always come first, and if you don't always come first, you have to like like actually want to actually earn that first place prize. You're not first, you're last. Thank you, Ricky Bobby. (laughs) (laughs) No, but real talk, I mean, like you have to have the like you know. uh, For me, I'm I'm again, I I say it often, um, not on the show particularly, but. I'm a, a 70s baby, but I was raised in the 80s. You know what I'm saying? And and from that perspective, it was just a lot of things in terms of cultural intersectionality that I experienced and was able to pull from. I was able to pull from like the generation that came before me in terms of music and sound and also like, you know, what you see on TV and how the TV changed. I was just having a conversation with uh, Cam and T. Rich about like um, soap commercials and how those impact you. They call us zennials, boo. We a micro generation. Whatever, whatever. I, you know, like I, I'm, I'm trying not to I'm get genius. too, too, too I'm far old. into this whole. How no, no, I no. Self identify. I'm just saying. No, but, but, but I'm, I'm not. It's, it's not even just about self identification. It's really about the culture of childhood that we were born into. We are the last little bit of kids who were actually born into the culture of, you know, children are incredibly hard to kill. So, you know what I'm saying? Let them free range it. You know what I'm saying? Benign neglect was what, you know what I'm saying, ruled our whole little micro generation. And I think the reason why that's important is because we went from latchkey kids to, oh, my God, a kid can never stay at home. Yeah. You know, you and that the, the story of the kids in uh, Silver Spring it was like two little white kids who were yeah. walking from like the park and, or something. And it was just like, we're going to go to jail because we're not, we not walking them to this park. This is ridiculous. And like neighbors, several neighbors called the police like, oh my God. Oh, and they fought for the right for them to actually be able to walk to the yeah. park. Now, yeah, I and I'm I sorry, that. I can't remember where it is. I can't remember the jurisdiction, but some state or jurisdiction is um, drafting legislation to allow... For kids to be able to like not always be monitored by their parents. Mind you, anytime I'm driving through DC, 
I see a lot of brown kids. kids walking to the bus, walking to the school right by themselves. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh man, I used to walk myself. Like, look, I used to walk. Ain't nobody calling the bus. You know, when I was in third grade with my older sister, we used to walk to, like, I went to private school for one year. Uh, <laughs> but we used to walk. Can't we used hide to, money. Used to, we used to cut through the back of, like, Forestville Mall in, in uh, Forestville, Maryland. Walk down a little hill or whatever, cut through all like, you know, the where the businesses were or whatever, walk along Marlboro Pike, all the way down to Mount Calvary. That's where I went to school. Boom, boom, boom. And we did that unsupervised. My sister and I, we used to do that and we used to walk back. And there were no issues. We understood how to cross the street. Um and it's just certain things I think, you know, certain sensibilities you have, you know, growing up black, that you know, <laughs> I think your parents kind of beat a kind of like a like a an idea of like you are not forever. Like, you know, shit can happen to you just because you're black. So, like, you know, like, when I was a child, I remember um, Back to the Future came out, and um, there was a scene where uh, Martin McFly was running around town and decided he wanted to, like, grab the back of a truck on a skateboard to evade some bullies. And there's a white kid that tried that in my school and died. And we looking at, uh, I remember thinking in third grade, like, why, why would he do that? That was that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> at third, at third grade, I mean, it sounds insensitive, but to me, I'm thinking as a third grade, like, yo, why would he do that? That doesn't make any sense. I actually just had to stop myself from laughing just now, like. But like, this is some, this is some, like, and this is like, you know, again, like, my parents didn't have the drug talk. Cameron, you can sit here. Did Dad ever ever talk with you about not using drugs? Nope. No, you just no. know if you got you if you did yeah, you knew, if he I caught knew. you go get your ass lit. Yeah. That's just what's gonna happen. Yeah, I yeah. just knew because there was somebody that used to come to my grandma's house. I grew up with my grandma sometimes in the projects, and there was somebody that would come there. You know, he was a nice enough gentleman, take orders, bring you know, cordless phone, white socks, whatever it was that you needed. But it was just like even young at that time, I was like, I don't know. Yeah, hmm. something about this man does not seem on the up and up. And as I got older, I was like, ah. Don't smoke. Start connecting, connecting dots. <laughs> like, yo, I don't know if y'all remember. There's like years later. There's a there's a movie called The Program. Um, Omar Epps was in it. Halle Berry was in it. This is when she was yeah. still mm-hmm. on her rise. And um, it was a football movie. And one of the still things they did, to act. huh? Still unable to act. Yeah, true. But you know, she's she's gorgeous. So you know, we let her slide. But anyway, um, <laughs> well, you know, you know, patriarchy. Um, anyway. Um, well, she did get an Oscar for like Monsters Ball. I don't see why she did. Denzel got an Still Oscar for act, Training Day, but that he killed it in Training Day. He it's did, just, but he he's did killed something. it in several other movies. He did, too, but so it's like he's always played the right hero. Now. This time he's not the hero, and it's like so oh, I wonder why it was I gave life. him an Oscar. Huh? <laughs> You're right. You just played well, the that's drug a whole dealer. Thing. Huh? You get awarded for it. Well, I'm, I'm just we'll, we'll get to back. To oh, that. what? Halle no. Berry played a whore who fucked a white man, and she got an Oscar for it. Made me feel good. Wow. You know what? Made me feel it good. But look, look, I will get sidetracked though. You know what? I would have respected if it was horror sex because it would have been transactional. What she got an Oscar for was sad, pathetic black woman. That's what she got an Oscar. I would agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the program, um, there was a scene where to strengthen the nerve of the people on the football team, they all decided to lay in the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember that. Right. And, oh, right. And, and, and um, you know, it, with oncoming traffic and read magazines while traffic whizzed by them on both sides of the road. And there were some white kids decided to do the same thing and got run over. And again, I was thinking, why would they do that? <laughs> it's just, it's just like, it's just like, like it, 
There's a, um, I don't know if you remember um, a poet, Takia, back in the day when we used to be on the scene. It's a poet by the name of Tanya Matthews, a.k.a. Ja Hipster. Mm-hmm. And she used to have a poem that said, white people don't have enough problems. True. And she, <laughs> and she, she used to be like, she used to like, bungee jumping. They, 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 they look for ways to die. <laughs> so they like, bungee jumping. Jumping off of bridges with a rubber band attached to your ankle. It's just, it's just like, yeah, it's just... There, there are certain things. I don't know how I got on this tangent. I apologize. But also, like, <laughs> Say, I don't know how we got here saying. either, but, like, there are things I would not do because one fear of death. And it was like, either way, if I do this thing, I'm going to die either way. Either I'm going to die just because this thing is foolish or my mother's going to fucking kill me because she's going to be like, this thing is foolish. Yeah. So you just don't. Yeah. We Which were is raised... why I never ended up selling cordless phones from white socks. And, and well, there's a real thing that we heard from as children on TV. I brought you in this world, and I'll take you out. My mom never and that's said how we, that. She just always that's looked at we, me like... But that's how we looked at our parents, though. You know what I'm saying? Like My mother used to say to me, don't look at me in that tone of voice. I never figured that shit out as a kid. Like, I don't, how can I look at you in the tone? Like, I don't, Sometimes I just I had just, to treat my mama like a white woman I'm, on I'm the street. I'm just going to look Stop. away. I'm just, that's down. what I'm going to do. I'm, don't look I'm, at I'm, her. I'm walk away. Don't, don't look at me in that tone of voice. Like, mm-hmm. like don't, don't, not even don't base at me, but don't look at me in that tone of voice. You good right I now. Was, oh. I was afraid to make faces. It was, it was <laughs> yeah, 15 minutes at least. Um, but, but back to this gun thing, I would just like to say the thing that bothers me about this whole gun violence issue that I think that black and brown people sometimes even forget is that, um, we need guns. Um, and so we need guns because the reality is this, while the second amendment has some nefarious, you know, beginnings, the reality is it has kept black people safe for a very long time post-slavery. And I think that a lot of times we forget that like, we need to be able to have the right to police our own neighborhoods because where is there a place where black people can live freely and feel like they don't maybe have to defend their property at a moment's notice? And not that crazy, you know, amosexual, I might have to defend my property against home invaders, but like a real... You know, we have a history of being burned out of our homes need to, you know, the right to your property. Um, You know, the Panthers, you know what I'm saying? You know, uh, they used to call Birmingham, Birmingham, you know what I'm saying? Wall Street, Tulsa, That's how they dealt with integration. So, I mean, I just feel like, you know, we, I'm all for gun, uh, gun control in the sense that I want to have, you know, better controls on sales. I want to have less ammo in these clips. I want some common sense measures taken, but I also want black people to remember, you know, that, you know, it wasn't only Malcolm who had a gun by the door. You know what I'm saying? Martin Luther King had one too. I was about to say there are plenty pictures of King and Evers and all of those dudes with guns by their doors. They had guns in their cars. You know what I'm saying? Guns made the civil rights, you know, movement possible. And I think that as we look at the era that we live in now and what we're about to go into, you know, we, we <laughs> please don't think that you might not actually need a gun to keep you safe. Okay, so day. what what I would like to do, Chrissy, is I would like to first of all second what you're saying, and I I think it's very important. I think what happens a lot of times with the NRA, in particular. And people who are so pro the Second Amendment, first of all, a lot of people haven't actually read the Second Amendment. Um, it has nothing to do with the right for you to individually hold guns as right for, excuse me, a, a well-regulated militia. Um, and, you know, there's an argument as to whether or not a militia is actually viable or needed. Seems we have National Guard 
and what's up. I don't get into that. That that um, that. What I will say though is and I really am consolation. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not mad at people actually being able to own guns. I'm just talking about in terms of how people have access to guns should be a conversation, and that should not be a pained conversation. We can readily see that there are a lot of illegal guns that are on our streets right now. There are a lot of people who take guns from like one place and they drive them up from like places where you buy guns at gun shows without credit check, not credit checks, but without background checks. And you sell them out the back of your car to people who shouldn't maybe not have guns because they're selling them out the back of their car. Like I'm all for the legal acquisition of guns and the responsible use and maintenance of guns, but that's not the conversation that's being had. It's almost like the same conversation, and this is a very slippery slope I'm about to say, but it's similar to the conversation of pro-choice versus pro-life. Just because you're pro-choice doesn't mean that you're not pro-life. It just means as somebody who is pro-choice, I don't think I have the right to tell a woman what to do with her body. That's because you're not a representative. Hmm? Well, I think we should also (laughs) talk about the fact that people are either pro-choice or pro-fetus because, you know, a lot of those people who believe that you shouldn't be able to have an abortion want to hurry up and kill people with a lethal injection or the death penalty by the quickness. And most of those people don't actually believe in supporting programs that support, you know, life once it has, you know, actually Mm -hmm. been birthed. Oh, how about that congressman who's like, you know, texting his his suspected baby mama about she needs to go ahead and handle that. Um, when he's actually voting on like a, a bill to like uphold like the the sanctity of life, when he was in an affair, I can't remember his name. We talked about it last year. We did um, talk about it. I don't um, remember his name. It, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, right. it, it, so it, it's most politics are are an issue like from two perspectives. They're either an issue because you look at it from an idealistic point of view, and you haven't actually had to like you know deal with it in your life and in your home and in your personal walk. And there are also the politics that happen after you've actually dealt with some shit. That's why a lot of people don't actually do cancer marches until they know somebody personally or they have themselves have been affected by cancer. So it's just like, mm, you can talk all that shit, but at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, these are like real life type things that we're going through. So I want to ask you, Nicole, very quickly while mm-hmm. you're here. Do you think there's any, um, and we had this conversation a little bit earlier, so like, you know, I don't, I'm asking you respectfully because I know this is like a hot, hot, hot seat, hot button type of question, Uh but do you feel as though the media could be doing more with regard to the way things have been covered with the the, the school shootings in Parkland and just, I, I know you feel like in terms, in general, they could be doing better, but. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Overall, of course, we could be doing better, but um. As far as the Parkland shooting, um, you know, there was that criticism from, I think it was David Hogg, uh, one of the students that said that the media is kind of shutting out the voices of the black students in Parkland. Mm -hmm. I don't know that, I mean, I'm, I'm just looking at some of, you know, the coverage that's out there. I don't know that anybody actively tried not to speak to black students. Mm-hmm. It just seems like <clears throat> there were, you know, and when the news broke and you're talking to the first students that were talking to the media, the people that were um, 
really articulate and easy to talk to were the David Hoggs and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So people were going to them pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, let me go to this person because I saw they did a good interview with another network or, you know, they did a good interview with us. Let's do another one. Right. You know what I mean? Like that kind of a thing. But, you know, if there are some black students that they wanted to put forward, they could have done that. Mm-hmm. It's like they at it's, it got to a point where they had designated leaders and designated reps <laughs> kind of speaking to the media. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and and this is just not being down there. I'm just kind of watching the coverage myself because I didn't go to Florida, mm-hmm. you know, and, oh, I, and I didn't really do all of the interviews. But, you know, there's, there's anybody could have spoken to the media and spoke to whatever they you know, wanted to say. I mean, oh. then no, nobody really prevented that from happening necessarily. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> You know, I kind I kind of really didn't get the criticism of that. I mean, the media has been blowing this whole story up, and it, it's it's magnified. I mean, it's a worldwide thing, and a part of the reason why that is is because it's been covered. And you know, I, I think there's probably criticism in covering a community that's affluent mm-hmm. versus you know any neighborhood in any urban city. I mean, it's definitely a difference in coverage. There's no doubt about that. But you're also hearing the same students that are criticizing, oh, we're, we're, you guys haven't talked to black students. Those are the ones that are bringing up the point that this is happening everywhere. Mm-hmm. And this is not just a, a mass shootings incident, which is like another thing I was thinking about, too, that this really isn't just about mass shootings. This is about kids having to deal with gun violence on a on a daily basis in, in most cases. It's not just, hey... Johnny might get mad today and come shoot up the school. You know, some of these kids are walking to school and they have to figure out a certain route because they don't want to get shot. Well, the kids you know, and I mean, it's it's a little bit bigger than and, and there was a young it was a student. It was a I, forgot, I think he was from New York, but he was one of the speakers at the rally. Mm-hmm. And he said one, one sentence that got to me. He said, I don't want to have to worry about this stuff. I just want to study math and science. <laughs> like, I don't want to worry about my little, you know, my best friend got shot because we're walking to school and just something happened because I live in a particular area. A lot of these kids are just going to school. Mm-hmm. They're not in they're not gang affiliated. They really are trying to just get somewhere and it's not and that's a daily routine. It's not about somebody got pissed off today. Yeah. And I'm and, and that's and, the other and, side of the that's, yeah, the, that's other the other side of, side of, of it. And you hear the kids are driving that message more than the adults are. And I think that that's something that stood out to me at the rally and that's something that needs to get played up more by the media. Okay. It's not just it's not just a mass shooting. Okay. Issue. Okay, Savage, you were, you were going to say? Well, I, I was saying that um, I think one of the good things about the kids from Parkland is that they have, um, they came here to DC and they actually had a town hall meeting with a lot of kids from different schools all mm-hmm. across the city. Um, and they specifically spoke to or, uh, the kids who were invited. And I think it might have been a panel. So the kids who were invited from DC to sit on the panel were people who had been victims of gun violence. Um, and did it in Chicago and, uh, too. They had either siblings or um, like close friends or family members or um, uh, intimate partners who um, were victims of gun violence. And so I think that one of the things that is good is that for a generation that's coming up and politically aware, 
um, about an issue. A lot of the activists are trying to see how does this affect not just affluent communities, but what does gun violence look like in all communities? Because the reality is the laws that are easy to, the the laws that stop mass shootings are easy to pass ultimately. It's easy to say don't put weapons of war on the street. It's a lot harder to control individual uh, gun sales of handguns, which, you know, people are allowed to have for personal protection. Um, and I think that, you know, um, it's it's good that those activists are talking because there's less of a chance that this looks the way feminism did, which is um, we're only advocating for one particular population to have mm-hmm. a certain kind of rights and, you know, freedoms instead of looking at the whole population of women. And so I think it's good that, you know, these kids are growing up in a time where we're talking about intersectionality so that they are automatically, you know, like it's it's intuitive to them to reach out and say, OK, well, what does this look like not in my community? Mm-hmm. You know, what does this look like in somebody else's community and how do I get educated, you know, about what this looks like and how this affects people so that we can talk about how we frame the issue so that everybody gets what they need, not just we over here are good. Um, so I think that's one of the things that, you know, is really interesting to me. And I think that that is one of the big differences between the student-led movement and, you know, what the parents are doing, because I don't think the parents of Sandy Hook were trying to go into too many hoods and find out, you know what I'm saying, you know, how do little, you know, black and brown kids, you know, deal with uh, gun violence, you know? So I think that what makes me uh, excited uh, about this generation and their activism is that they seem to understand intersectionality uh, in theory. So I will, I'll be interested in seeing how they practice it. Yeah. Me too. So something I wanted to to address um, as we get ready to wrap up our show, um, (laughs) I listened to the Joe Madison show on Sirius XM, um, channel one twenty six, and the reason why I, I tend to put that show and the Karen Karen Hunter show out there a lot is because they're actually one of the, the inspiring uh, forces for me. The impetus, actually, one of the like things that caused me to do what I'm doing right now with the people that I do it with. Um, but Joe Madison was saying this past week, he says something that had him so pissed was that in forty eight hours. Congress was able to come up with the Wolf Act, the welfare of our furry friends. Basically, where a dog died because a dog died in transit on an airplane, they came up with an act <laughs> for the welfare of our furry friends. But we have like this ongoing issue where children are being killed. Children, plural, are being killed because we refuse as a country. To actually have an adult conversation about gun control and nobody in, in the problem, this is what I was saying before, the narrative that the NRA likes to use is they're trying to take away our guns or they're trying to do away the Second Amendment. And first of all, the Second Amendment does not actually guarantee your right to guns. It guarantees the, the well-regulated militia and everything after that is subject to that clause. But even if you go beyond that, you can legally own a gun. What we're talking about is who can legally own a gun and why. And like, you know, what are the what are the boundaries? Like, you know, should should there be a waiting period? If somebody is deemed to be psychologically unfit, should they have access to a gun? According to President Trump, no. Because he did away with an Obama era uh initiative or measure that was put in place to block that. So if you are deemed to be mentally unfit 
under the Trump era, it's okay. You can still get a gun. But let's also be clear that it's not people who, it's not overwhelmingly people who have mental health issues that are like picking oh, up these not guns. At all. And not at all. And, and, and shooting and, people more more often than not is just angry white men. And how do you deem they're unfit at the time of acquisition anyway? So I get that. That's a whole, I get what you're saying. And I agree with what you're saying. That's the whole show unto itself. Then, and I don't think we can unpack it just in this little bit of time that we have left for the show. So, I mean... I, I really think the problem is, again, is that we're just unwilling as a country, as a nation from the highest levels, the people who are elected to have these conversations are unwilling either because they're bought or they're scared to have the conversation. We're not willing or able to have this conversation because a lot of the, the people who are behind these guns are white men. If the people that were mostly behind these guns were black or brown faces, there would be lots of conversation about gun regulation. Just like as soon as, you know, somebody goes and like blows something up, if they're a black or brown person, it's like, oh my God, we need to stop. We need to create a ban to, to keep the Muslims out or to keep people from these specific countries from coming here. But I mean, that's exactly what happened with the Black Panthers. I mean, they armed themselves. Said that last week. And mm-hmm. as soon as yeah. as soon as they yeah. became a threat, yeah. now you have Pro. Yeah. Now you have the war on drugs. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's I actually made that point last in terms of like uh in terms of like being armed just with a gun license. Mm-hmm. If a bunch of black folks got like their gun licenses, that would be a signal like, okay, maybe not all these people will have their licenses to own a gun. Maybe the conversation changes. It's just like if we have a bunch of people who are brown, who are Republicans, maybe we have to look at things in a different way because they're in our camp now and they have a say as to whether or not, you know, because a lot there, there's an argument that's been made in terms of, you know, black folks are by and large traditionally Democratic at this point or Democrats rather. Um, and. And there's an argument like, what are the Democrats doing to consistently earn the vote and the trust of the black electorate? And there's a real conversation that can be had out of that. For Republicans, they they're not there's no you know real incentive for them to actually pander or try to cater to black voters because they they don't feel as though they speak to us. But if we change the the narrative in terms of who's you know Republican then that that forces the conversation to change. So um that's just something to consider like you know if for those who are out there even if you don't want to own a gun or whatever in your household that's a conversation for your household I respect it. Um but still consider getting a gun license because that is something that is of record. Consider if it's not one of the situations like in the state of Maryland where you register as a Republican, if it doesn't affect how you're going to vote in the primary election, um, maybe you can switch to Republican. In the state of Maryland, you have to actually, you can only vote for your your party in a primary, which is the reason why I'm registered as a Democrat and not as an independent, honestly, because I don't want to be registered as Republican or Democrat, be honest with you. That's my two cents. Yeah, I don't vote in the primaries here. Yeah. So. Okay. <laughs> I have other thoughts, but uh, no, real talk. If you, sh- if you want to share your thoughts, like, I don't. This Duke Kansas thought. game is on, so. Um, it came wow! Like, 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 hey, hey, that's real talk, right there. Just, just, just know where y'all stand. It when is. It comes to Duke basketball. Evil Empire. <laughs> really? 
Yeah, you know how I feel about Duke. I've never changed. Yeah, I've been consistent about how I feel about Duke. You know what? But, Maryland but, and Carolina fans always got but, some shit to but say. At the same Carolina time, fans been clapping off. Where's their team? They on that eight mile ass road back on Tobacco Road in North Carolina. Here's what I will posting say: posting shit about Duke. Here's Duke what I will is say: evil. At the end of the Duke day, Duke is white. At the Duke end is of, northern. They are very white. At the end of the day, you know. At the end of the day, no matter what Duke does in the, in the Final Four or the whatever, 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 you know, I always got love for you. That's great. And I've always got love for Duke. So with that said, we are going to wrap this up so that see I can go works, watch that game. Yes, yes. And um, yeah, this is T. Rich, uh, one of the usual suspects, wrapping up for Flash Black Radio so I can go watch that Elite Eight game, see my Devils dance right into the Final Four. And uh, who else is going to watch this game with me today? Who else is here? I'm watching with you, but I ain't gonna, I'm going to talk shit a little bit. You just a little talk, bit. You can talk shit while just, you're... Just, what, just, is your team even playing in the NIT? First of all, you know I ain't got a team. Like Ever since ever since my boy left, because you know I've been consistent about this, since Turgeon took over, I have not been in a... Um, I'm really into the Maryland basketball program. So why don't you come to... I am my, not my a man Gary fan. was a good coach. I didn't, I'm not but like I would that. also like to say that you know what I'm saying I feel about Duke the way I feel about Slytherin you know what I'm saying I'm not a Voldemort fan but that don't mean we gotta hate on the whole house you know what I'm saying I'm not a Duke fan I don't always that want is to. an ill like transition did she just go Harry Potter with Duke wow we cannot hate on people because they want to love their colors we just can't Oh my God, that that was awesome. We are done here. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, K Savage, I appreciate you, what? baby. I love you. I mean, look, really, seriously, they they the sorting hat would put me in either Slytherin or Ravenclaw. So I mean, you know, I'm good. My I name don't watch is those fantasy Parks. movies, so I don't know what that means, but it sounded like an insult. It felt like an insult in my spirit. What? <laughs> <laughs> my name is Davinci Parks, Actually, aka Lee Bennett the Third. Uh, I want to thank Mr. Cameron Bennett and, of course, Nicole McManus for stopping in, sharing their wisdom, their words with us, and their, you know, their free time. They could have been anywhere, but they chose to be here, so I'm thankful Cam for couldn't. that. That is true. Cameron didn't have a choice. Um, I was about to say, he did not um, Not at all. Not at all. Uh, so we're going to re- gonna reduce that to <laughs> Nicole. You, uh, <laughs> you have no choice in that either. Uh, <laughs> Uh, thank you, Nicole, for showing up. You could have been somewhere else, and you know, she you chose you to be for here. Having me, I had a blast. Indeed, indeed, and uh, we thank you, the listener. Uh, please continue to stay tuned if you want to check us out. You can check us out on Facebook for now. Um, there are a lot of shenanigans going on, on Facebook. You know, we knew that before. Like the shenanigans were actually made official, so you know, please we kind of had it. Postcards. We know y'all do it for the gram. Can you, you know. do it for our, pa- our, yeah. our Instagram, Twitter? You know, at Flash Black News, at Flash Black Radio, mm-hmm. on Facebook group. Flash Black and Radio. Um, also, you know, you want to listen to us online through the podcast. We got SoundCloud, we got Stitcher, we got iTunes, Google Play, the website. We all over the place. You know what I mean? So, you know, we're going to do it like this, B. We're going to like go ahead and sign off right quick, but you know, we're going to say stay blessed, stay woke. Word. One. Go do Because oh I, I was watching a lot of, like, you know. Hotep uh, out. Yeah, Hotep out. Really? Hoteps are in, oh, okay? Nah. All right? At all times. First, the Harry Potter joke, now the Hoteps? Oh, man. Wow, Hoteps are always in. It wasn't I even a Harry Potter joke. It was a good analogy, and I was telling her to be proud of her colors. Oh, no, it was a great analogy. Yeah, yeah, There's she no just didn't get it. it. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. No. She, it's not, she's well-read, just not in that, in that regard. <laughs>